You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I had one fellow in church said, you know, I've never heard a bad short message. <laughs> I was kind of complaining one time, you know, because people got, see, by the way, thank God for the music you have here. And for those willing to use their talents for the Lord, I've enjoyed just the specials, the choir, the congregational singing, and, and, song, and church still sing the old hymns. Even better. And, uh, and yet got some life in it as well. You know, we, we don't have to be wild on our music to still have some fire in it and life in it. You know, we don't have to be dead either. It is the church of the living God. And, uh, but I've enjoyed the music and and, uh, and such, and I appreciate those that are willing to use their talents. That was a blessing this morning just to see some of the people that aren't necessarily, I won't say this right, young. Uh, the fellow that sang this morning, just no sinner saved by grace. I mean, he had to be in his 60s. Then that lady a while ago, she's got to be 40, you know. So, I, I mean, the people using their talents for the Lord, that's a blessing. And not just staying on the sidelines just because the years roll by. He's a good God. We'll serve him to the day we die. Amen. He's a, he's a good God. Might not be able to do everything we could at one time, but we can do something. And uh, serve him, live him. Thank you. Preacher, thank you for the privilege of being here. It's just a blessing. My wife and I always enjoy coming this way. We love you. We certainly loved your, your, your family, your dad. And, and uh, he was the most, one of the most intelligent men I've ever met in my life. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Just first time we met him, I think... Uh, like Tom was like in second grade, or Amy was in second grade. They're Berean. He was still teaching school and, uh, and things. But I was just always impressed how sharp he was. And, uh, you know, real intelligent people make me nervous um, because it doesn't take long. My dad was that way. My dad worked for NASA. He worked for Kennedy Space Center and, and, uh, and such. He worked for NASA when we put the man on the moon and, uh, and such. He was over one of the four major uh, groups that worked on Apollo 11. He was the head over one of those groups, and, and he really was just borderline genius. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I'd have a conversation with him, and if you act like you understand, he takes it up a notch. <laughs> and then pretty soon I just had to say, Dad, I have no idea where you're at. You have to come back down to earth here. And, uh, and so anyway, but uh, it's a blessing. Yeah, I looked at myself and my siblings, and I thought that genius gene must skip a generation. And then my children were born. I thought it must skip two generations. <laughs> but then the grandchildren come along. Somebody say amen right there. And the grandbabies come along. I said, there it is right there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Mark chapter 14. Thank you, preacher, for the privilege of being here. We never take it lightly when we stand behind another man's pulpit. And, and uh, so thankful for the ministry God has given you here, you and your dear wife and family. And, and uh, we certainly love you and thank you always so gracious and kind to us. And the same with the church folk. You always make us feel at home. Thank you for that. I, I kind of feel bad. You've got friends that come from California, probably come to hear you preach. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, they probably did and going to be disappointed. But, uh, you know, if, if you're visiting and you come to hear the preacher preach, you need to come back. Because I'm telling you, he's a good preacher. He's a good, good man of God. You ought, you ought to praise the Lord. Pray for him every day. Stand with him. And uh, don't stand behind him. Stand with him. I got scars, all kinds of scars back here, people that said, I'm behind you, preacher. And uh, so I, I always said, I don't want you behind me, I want you with me. And so stand with him. And uh, he brings a man in, puts a burden on his heart, and then he gives him a people to help fulfill the vision he puts on his soul. 
And uh, I've always said the pastor's responsible for the vision and the people are responsible for the provision, you know, to accomplish what God would have him to do, uh, lays on his heart and to be done in this place. And wouldn't it be good to see God do some mighty things here that we'd have to stand back and say, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our sight. No way to explain it except God did it. So we're excited about what God's doing. Excited about your school. I don't know anybody in the right mind that wants one, but I'm excited about your school. But nobody said we were in our right mind, did they? That was never, never been accused of that. But anyway, praise the Lord. That is exciting. The new students coming in. What, what an opportunity to have an impact in lives. So what a, what a blessing. My wife and I always enjoy it over here. And so thank you for that. We usually come. We'll take a couple of days to just kind of relax. We're over in this area. And so, so we're just so thankful for you allowing us to be here. And always good to have my wife with me. She doesn't always travel with me. I'll leave that up to her. She's kind of a homebody. And uh, we're gone a lot. And so, uh, but uh, I always love it when she is with me. Things just go better when my wife's with me. And uh, we, are, we are heirs together in the grace of life. You know, she writes the messages. I preach them. I mean, just, uh, just works best that way. If she preached them, you never would get out of here. I'm just telling you. But no, I'm just teasing. But I always joy to have my wife with me. The love of my life right there. Mark chapter number 14 this evening. Again, thank you for everything. Mark chapter number 14 and the kind words from the people as well. And, and uh, we, just, we, just, we just love being in this place. God's, God's been good to you, hasn't he? Amen. Sure has. He's always good. Some days you might recognize it more than others, but he's always good. He's far too good to ever be unkind. And he's far too wise to ever make a mistake. Yeah, he's a good God. Mark chapter 14, beginning verse number 1. When you find it, if you don't mind standing with us, if you're able, as we read the scriptures, opportunity to stretch before the, uh, the four-hour message. I, I, I told you I was kind of complaining one time that, uh, you know, these singers get up and sing, and they get done, and somebody says, sing that again. And we get up and pour our hearts out, and nobody jumps up and says, preach that again. And I just, man, my church said, well, they might if it was only four minutes long, you know, so that, there's probably some truth to that. Mark chapter 14, verse number 1, after two days was the feast of the Passover. After how many days? Two. two. This is the Passover where Jesus will be crucified. So it's just two days from when he will be arrested and put to death, become our Passover lamb. So after two days was the feast of the Passover unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest the men uproar the people. In being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, whose house is he in? How many days before the Passover? All right, there will be a quiz after church. So just <laughs> As he sat at meat, there came in a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his what? Head. How many days before Passover? Whose house is he in? And the alabaster box, the ointment is poured on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence that had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. I think I pastored those people once. <laughs> I looked up the word murmur one time. Here's the definition, to murmur. <laughs> and that's what it sounds like, murmur, 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 murmur. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She have done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, 
This also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege we have to be in this place. Thank you, dear God, for the sweet spirit that's here. Thank you for the liberty that's found behind this pulpit. And dear God, I've been at this thing long enough to know the liberty that we have behind a pulpit is in direct relation to the walk with you that a man, the man of God has that stands behind this pulpit on a regular basis. So God, we thank you for the liberty that's here. We thank you for the heart that you've given to Brother Coburn, a heart for you and a heart for people. And Father, we pray continue to bless him, his dear wife, their family, build a hedge about them. And God, we thank you for the people that you've given to them and their faithfulness. And God, I pray to help them as they labor together. And dear God, that you just continue to bless this ministry. Father, we pray to give wisdom, direction, all that's done. And God, help us, please. We, we've asked this over and over again. Help us to be a help to this ministry, please. And God, I pray you just would, uh, would meet with us. Might we sense your warm breath upon our soul. Meet with us tonight. We'll certainly take time and give you the praise for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We read this portion of Scripture. It's how many days for the Passover? And Jesus comes into the house of Simon the leper. While he's there, a woman comes in with an alabaster box and of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Spikenard is probably the most expensive ointment. It's taken from the nard plant, but it's taken from the spikes that come out from the nard plant. Very expensive, very costly ointment. Matter of fact, uh, in this portion of Scripture, many say that it could have been sold for more than 300 pence and the money given to the poor. You have an idea what 300 pence in the Bible days, a pence or a penny was a day's income. Matter of fact, not a penny like we think of a penny, but Matthew 20, we've got the parable of the laborers that go to work in the vineyard and it said like when they agreed for a penny a day, and that was the average income, and they worked six days a week, and so you worked 50 weeks or about a year, six days a week, you'd have 300 pence. So we're talking about an entire year's income. So imagine this ointment that she has and the value of this is an entire year's income. I think about that often sometimes when my wife might get different perfumes or things. I, I think, well, at least it was an entire year's income, and uh, so we're doing pretty good there. She'll find something at, at, at Kohl's or at one of the stores. Sometimes she said, man, this, 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 uh, this dress was just on sale. The skirt was on sale. I just can't pass it by. And I say, honey, you just, just get it. And oftentimes if I go in with her, she'll try it on. She'll come out. And my statement is always the same. She said, how's this? How's this? And I said, you make it look good. And, uh, and she'll get them. And, and, uh, and then she'll talk about it. And that was a good deal. But then, you know, all these things have these accessories that have to go with them. Uh, you know, you've got to have shoes to match, and you've got to have the proper jewelry, and you've got to have this and, and that, and pretty soon, this good deal is not such a good deal anymore, and I told her one time, I said, honey, we can't afford to save this much money, and <laughs> she says, you don't understand, I said, your job is to make the money, mine is to spend it. I said, okay, but the thing is, you're better at your job than I am mine. <laughs> but it's a very expensive ointment that she has, and she comes in and she breaks the ointment and she pours it upon the head of Jesus. Some indignation, this could have been sold for more than 300 pence and the money could have been given to the poor and Jesus makes a statement, let her alone. She's wrought a good work on me. The poor you have with you always. If you want to help the poor, you can help the poor, but leave her alone. And then he went a little further. He makes a statement in verse number nine. Verily I say unto you, where some of this gospel should be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for memorial of her. 
I thought within myself, that's, that's an unusual statement. That, that kind of jumped out at me one day. That Jesus would say, leave her alone, she's wrought a good work with me. And then he goes one further. Matter of fact, wherever you preach the gospel in the whole world, be sure to tell them what this woman did. And I begin to search through the scriptures, and I don't find that said about anybody else in the Bible. Now, we're to preach the whole counsel of God, but nowhere is anyone singled out to where he would say, wherever you preach the gospel, be sure to tell them about this individual. It's not said about David. I love preaching about David. Man, David is a young man, had a heart for God. And David is a young man. I mean, he's, he's watching over the, the, the sheep, and, and you know, the Bible talks about a, a, a lion come in and grabbed one of the sheep, and David took out after it, said it caught him. And I, I just, I don't know, I picture these things in my mind. You know, I, I see the sheep in the, in the lion's mouth, it's running. David's running behind this lion. And the first thing you come to is the tail. And so I just picture David grabbing the tail and digging in his feet and that lion turning around and dropping the, the lamb and, and uh, turns around and, 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 and David just took his hand, stuck it down the lion's mouth, grabbed him by the tail, turned him inside out. You got to understand Hebrew to get all this. But I mean, he, he, he killed the lion. You say, Brother Gibson, you can't prove it happened that way. You can't prove it didn't. And I'm preaching right now. And so he killed the lion. And then a bear come in and got one of, the, one of the sheep and he went out after the bear and he said he caught him by the beard. I mean, God just, I, just, I can just picture David saying, does word not travel through the jungle? Did y'all not hear what happened to that lion that tried this? And I mean, he just hit him in the head. He fell in two. And I mean, just, just uh, now to me, that's exciting. That's, I mean, there's a lot of preaching about David and Goliath. These are the stories are told in children's church and David's life is preached over and over how he stood against Goliath. You know, got that, got that stone and put it in the sling and let that thing fly, hit Goliath in the forehead and oh, Goliath said, I've never had anything like that in my mind before and down he went and David got his sword cut off. Man, I, I love things like that but, but I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says, Rebbe, preach the gospel, be sure to tell him about David. But he did this woman. I, I think people like, like Moses and how he stood that day, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and the waters part and they went through on dry ground. I mean, it wasn't even muddy. God sucked all the water even out of the, out of the ground they walked on. They went through on dry ground. Man, I'd like to see that heap of water on this side. Heap, I, I just visualize these things. Heap of water on each side. And I, I just, just poke your finger in the water and fish in. I mean, just, just walk through on dry ground. The, the Egyptians come and drown. Man, I love that. But I don't find anywhere in the Bible. Where it says, wherever you preach the gospel, be sure to tell them about Moses. Right. I think of Noah building the ark and the character and all that. His family, as crazy as the world was, he didn't lose his family in the midst of all that. They must have seen something real in Noah. A lot of times we try to blame everything else on the outside. Wasn't anything on the outside going right in Noah's day. Yet he still reached his family. He must have seen something really real within his life. And, and I love preaching about, about Noah and the ark, but I, I don't find anywhere in the scriptures where it says, Raven, preach the gospel. Be sure to tell him about Noah. But he did this woman. I could go on with Joshua and Gideon and Paul. And man, I love preaching about the apostle Paul, what a difference God made in his life. And Peter standing on Pentecost, about 3,000 3, folks getting saved. And that's a, man, they, those are glorious accounts in the word of God. But I don't find anywhere where Jesus said, we well, preach the gospel, be sure to tell them about these individuals. But he did say that to this woman. So I begin to think, well, if we ever preach the gospel, we're supposed to mention this woman. I guess I need to find out who she is. Every commentary you read would tell you this is Mary. But I've got a problem with that because of the Bible. 
And I've said before, this Bible will shed a lot of light on those commentaries. And I'm not opposed to commentaries, but I've always told my sons as they study, I said, don't run to a commentary right away. Give God an opportunity to speak to you. You run to a commentary right away, you're going to get preconceived ideas. Let God speak to you a little bit. He is the author of the book. And then I'm not opposed to using commentaries. I, I use them. Always give God an opportunity to speak to you first. But I want to take your Bible and turn over to John chapter 12 with me, if you would. Gospel of John chapter 12. Got your Bible with tonight. Say amen. Isn't it a good book? Man, you're not going to find a book like this anywhere. John chapter 12. When you find it, say amen. If you haven't found it yet, just stop where you are and pretend you're there. All right, John chapter 12, verse number 1. Then Jesus, what's the next two words? Six days before the Passover. Wait, the other count was how many days? Two. This is four days before the other count. Came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, I think that's why they, they think it's Mary, they see some similarities here, but we'll see some differences a little bit. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this, for the poor always you have with me, but me you have not always. He's in, it's now six days before the Passover. In Mark's account, it was two days before the Passover. Here he's in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and they're preparing him a meal. They stayed in the house often. In Mark's account, he was in the house of Simon the leper. In this account, Mary, it is spikenard, and the thing about spikenard is very costly, and, and uh, when you break the bottle open, the aroma will fill the room, and that's one of the things it's used for. Song of Solomon talks about that, how the bottle was broken, the ointment, when her, when her king was coming home, and the ointment would fill the room in preparation, and, 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 and the smell that was there, and, and the ointment filled the room, and she had spikenard, but she anointed his feet. So the other account was two days for the Passover and Mary's account is six days for the Passover. The other account, he's in the house of Simon the leper. Here he's in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The other account, this woman anoints his head and this account, Mary anoints his feet. And so the account that we read in Mark is not Mary. In fact, every gospel gives an account of a woman anointing Jesus. Let's go to Luke's gospel, if you would. Luke chapter number seven. You got your Bible with you? Say amen. amen. Isn't it a good book? Amen. Luke chapter seven, verse 36. Now this is early in Jesus' ministry. When he's in the house of Mary, it's six days before the Passover, and he is about to be the Passover lamb. In, in, in the house of the woman that we read about, in Simon the leper's house, it's two days before the Passover. This, this account that we read in Luke chapter 7 is early in the ministry of Jesus. Verse 36, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he'd eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at meat. So this account, he's in the Pharisee's house. 
Now the Pharisee's name is Simon, but it's not Simon the leper. He would have been a, a Pharisee, but it's in the house of, of one of the Pharisees. Verse 37, behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had been him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what man of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. He's in the house of the Pharisee, and a, a woman comes in and has an alabaster box of ointment. Now this is not spike dirt, it's just uh, an alabaster box of ointment. There's, there's no criticism about the cost of this ointment. There's no mention about the aroma filling the room. The only criticism is if he knew what type of woman this was. So the sinful woman comes in. She's got an alabaster box of ointment. She stands behind him, begins to weep, and washes his feet with her tears and dries them with the hairs of her head and then takes that ointment and anoints his feet. And, and so this is, I read it in Mark, it's not Mary. And I read in Mark, it's not the sinful woman. Take your Bible, if you would, Matthew chapter number 26. Isn't this a good book? Did I mention that? Matthew chapter 26, verse number one. I'm telling you, I'm so thrilled today I got a Bible. This book is, God, it has changed my life. It's changed my home. It's just an amazing, amazing book. You just won't find anything like this anywhere. Matthew chapter 26, beginning verse number one. And it came to pass when Jesus finished all these saints, he said to his disciples, you know that after how many days? Two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people in the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted they might take Jesus by Sully and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, thus to be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of who? There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of precious, very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said to them, Why trouble you the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me, for ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for memorial of her. In Matthew's account, we've got the same account that we have in the Gospel of Mark, and he's in the house of Simon the leper, two days for the Passover. Woman comes in with the alabaster box, very costly, precious ointment. She breaks it, she pours it upon his head. Some had indignation, this could have been sold for much, money given to the poor. Jesus again says, let her alone. And then he again, he repeats this, wherever the Gospel's preached, be sure to tell about this woman. So wherever the gospel's preached, I'm supposed to tell you about this woman, and I have no idea who she is. I don't know if she was a Jew or a Gentile. I don't know if she was rich or poor. I don't know if she was married or single. I don't know if she had children or was barren. I know, I know absolutely nothing about this woman. 
And yet he said, wherever the gospel is preached, be sure to tell them about this woman. So I thought, well, if I don't know anything about her, the next thing is to look and see what she did. I mean, if we're going to tell about to see what she did. Go back to Mark chapter 14 with me, and we'll take a few looks at that. But as I read this, I read Matthew's account. I read Mark's account. I mean, she had the alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very costly. She break it. She poured it upon his head. I mean, I read it over and over and over again. I'll be honest with you. There's nothing there that really impressed me. I mean, it's not like killing a bear. It's not like killing a lion. It's not like parting the Red Sea. It's not like preaching on Pentecost of 3,000 saved. I mean, she just broke a box, poured it on his head. I mean, to me, that story hadn't been told a lot in children's church. I mean, there's nothing there that really excites me. There's nothing there that impresses me. I mean, I looked through this. She didn't part the Red Sea like Moses, didn't kill a giant like David, didn't build an ark like Noah. Uh, she didn't preach on Pentecost like Peter. She didn't have a book named after her like Ruth. She didn't judge God's people like Deborah. She didn't raise a John the Baptist like Elizabeth. I mean, she took ointment, she poured it on his head. There's nothing there that really impressed me, but I'm telling you, there's something about this that impressed him so much that he said, wherever the gospel's preached, be sure to tell about this woman. There's a statement made in Mark chapter 14 that, so I read this over and over and over again that caught my attention. And so for the next six hours, one time, no, it won't be that long. It just seemed like it. He makes a statement in verse number eight. She has done what she could. I see several things wrapped up in that statement. First thing I see about this woman is she accepted herself. You say, what do you mean? And, and you got to be careful saying that in today's society. I'm not talking about accepting your sin. Right. None of us are supposed to accept our sin and go on. God does not intend we live our life in sin. God intends we live a life of holiness and living for him and giving him all that we have. I'm not talking about that, but every one of us are made different. And most of us, we compare ourselves one with another. And the Bible said, that's not wise. But most of us wish we were either like somebody else or that we were somebody else. Most of us are not happy with the way God made us. Let, let me illustrate. Every woman with straight hair has one of these things you plug in the wall, has a rod on it, gets real hot. You burn yourself with it. How many have been burnt with one? I have, and I don't even use one. Just walking by. You got to straighten it to get this thing that's called a... Uh, curler and they try to curl their hair and everyone with curly hair gets this thing called a straightener and tries to straighten their hair and everybody real tall kind of wishes they were shorter everybody real short wishes they were taller everybody real, everybody real heavy wishes they were thinner everybody real thin is kind of happy they are <laughs> but you know, if you're tall, God made you that way. If you're short, God made you that way. If you got curly hair, God made you that way. Now I'm not opposed to changing your hair and things of that that, that nature. And uh, you know, but if you're if you're thin, God made you that way. If you're not thin, we can't blame everything on God. But <laughs> but young people say, you know, if my parents were more like so and so's parents. You know, if we made the money so-and-so makes, if my wife was more like so-and-so's wife, if my husband was more like so-and-so's husband, 
And we're always comparing. If things were more like, like this, if I, if, I had the, if I had the charisma so-and-so had, if I could tell jokes better like so-and-so does, if I, and we're always comparing ourselves and, and, and wishing we were like somebody else, do you realize God made you the way he wants you to do a job that no one else in this whole world can do like you can do it because he made you for that? And when God first called me to preach, I thought, man, this has got to be his first mistake. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You probably think that too, but I mean, I, I thought even way back then. But, but I remember God just dealing with my heart, and I just couldn't get away from it. And I remember going to my preacher, and I really thought he was going to laugh me out of the office. And I said, preacher, I, I, think, I think God might be making his first mistake. I, I, I think he's called me to preach. Here's what he said. I, I could see that coming. And I thought, I couldn't. And I said, two problems. I said, number one, I don't know the Bible. I don't have been saved a few months and got to work on our home, just, just, just got a whole Bible, just had, just had it a few months. I said, I don't, I don't know the Bible. I said, number two, I'm scared to death to get up and talk in front of people. Don't you wish that was still a problem? <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, it's a bigger problem than what you realize. You know, and, and I get so nervous sometimes. Sometimes I go throw up before I preach. I, I get so nervous and scared and you know, five minutes before I get up here, I gladly trade places with anybody. But about two minutes after God shows up, there's nobody more shocked by it all than me. I said, I can't do this. And I watched the different preachers. And I watched Ronnie get behind the pole, but he clears his throat as he preaches. And God moves. So I said, That's what I need to do. I need to clear my throat when I preach. As so I get behind the pole, and people just threw cough drops at me. <laughs> then I'd see some, man, they'd be all over the building. They'd be running over, and they'd just, oh, it's just good to be in God's house today. And I mean, they just, they'd be all over the building, and I think, that's what I need to do. I need to run around more. Amen. Who wants to see that again? Your wife paid me to do that. So I just, I, I, anybody else want to chip in? Any women out there that need your, you know, no, anyway, no. And I'd run around and they'd look at me like, what are you doing? Then I'd see some just hardly move, hardly raise their voice. And yet the power of God to move. So I thought, that's what I need to do. I just need to stand here. And I'd do that and I'd look up and they're going. And it dawned on me, God made me. The way he wants me. I don't have to be like this preacher or that preacher. This preacher. My wife, when I was ready to preach, she said, I can't, I, I can't be a preacher's wife. She said, I can't play the piano. I, I don't sing. I hate to get up in front of people. Sometimes somebody will call a preacher and they'll say, would your wife mind speaking to a group of ladies? And I'll say, oh, yes, yeah, she'll do that. And then I don't tell her it's about four days before the event because she'll always try to back out of it if, if she knows. And I'll say, oh, yeah, honey, I, I, I forgot to mention, I told this preacher that you would, why do you do that? I'm not a speaker. I said, they don't need a speaker. They need a wife and they need a mama and somebody will turn their heart to home and that you are. And then I'll go buy her a new outfit to make up for my blunder of looking at me. We were, 
we were at one place, and it was a very large place, and they said, would you ride? Oh, you should do that. I had to buy her a whole outfit, I mean a whole wardrobe. That, 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 yeah. I was preaching every night and, and uh, preached with Brother Treber one night and, and different ones. And we, we got done and uh, my wife always sat right over here. I'd look at her when I preach. She's my biggest fan. She really, and she'd look over here when I preach and, and uh, got done. I'm, I'm standing there and she had spoke to the ladies earlier. We're standing there side by side. And this lady comes over from this side. She's got her Bible open. She comes over and she says, would you mind signing my Bible? And so I pulled out my pen, she walked right by me and handed it to my wife. And I went. And I could see my wife out of the corner of her eye. She's going to like this, you know. And so she, uh, she signs her name. And that lady saw me pull the pen out. She said, you want to sign it too? I said, well, that, that's, oh, go ahead. Just put your name right there under hers. And so I did. She left. My wife said, that was priceless. She said, I can't be a preacher's wife. I said, don't worry about being a preacher's wife. Just be the wife to the preacher. I come home, just give me a hug and a hamburger. The life is good. And it doesn't even have to be in that order. <laughs> hamburger can come first as long as I get both. Somebody say amen right there. Life is good. God made you. She had done what she could. She wasn't trying to do what Peter did. She wasn't trying to do what David did. She had done what she could. And it's almost like Jesus said, that's what I'm looking for. None of that I see within the statement. Not only she accepted herself, she applied herself. She had done what she could. She found what she could do, and she just did it to the best of her ability. I mean, she sat back, and I mean, you begin to think about all these things. I can't kill a lion. I can't kill a bear. My wife has always wanted a polar bear rug in the middle of our room. And she wanted it to be one that I killed myself with my bare hands. She upped my life insurance policy. She said, go get them, Tiger. I was going to go get her one, but I found out it's, it's illegal to bring a, a polar bear rug into the continental United States. It's been illegal for a lot of years. And even to purchase one, you're talking, you know, you're talking five figures to even purchase a polar bear rug. But if you take a big dog, What? I did find a faux polar bear rug. It looks, it looks so real. It has a head on it and everything. And so I found it and I bought it. Had it shipped and I'm going to surprise her. And it come in on a Saturday. And Sunday we're getting ready for church. And we go out in the car and I say, oh, I forgot something. I want to run in real quick. I get that bear rug out and I put it on the floor. That head just facing the door as you come in. Eyes open, teeth right there. And we got in the car, went to church. We come back from church. She opened the door, screamed, turned around and slapped me. No, she, she can't kill a bear. I'll probably never kill a bear. I'll probably never preach and have 3,000 saved at one time. I'll, I'll probably never park the Red Sea. I'll probably never march around walls and have them come crashing down. She, she didn't worry about things she could not do. She, she applied herself. She found what she could do. You know, the sad thing is most of us make a big list of all the things we cannot do. What we all do is throw that list away. Just start making a list of what you can do. I can be faithful. I can encourage the preacher. This preacher comes in, I can make him a coconut cream pie. Man, that wasn't even in my notes. That was just directly from God right there. 
We had a lady one time, she says, you know, preacher, somebody ought to plant some flowers around that sign out there. She came in, preacher, somebody ought to plant some flowers around that sign out there. I finally said, isn't that amazing that God pointed that out to you? Reckon maybe you ought to plant flowers around that sign out there. But find what you can do and do it the best. You can be faithful. You can encourage the preacher. You can love his family. You, you can make visitors feel welcome. You, I, I mean, you, you can read your Bible. You can pray and throw away that list of all the things you cannot do. You say, well, I can't play piano. I can't sing. I can't do this. And thank God for those who have the ability and use their talents for the Lord. But God made you different. He's got a purpose for you. Throw away that list of what you cannot do. Find what you can do. Here's a woman. No, I can't preach on Pentecost. I can't kill a bear. I can't kill a lion. I can't part the waters. But I've got this alabaster box. Here's something I can do. I can go anoint the head of Jesus and she found what she could do and she did it the best of her ability. She applied herself and it's like Jesus is saying hey that's, that's what I'm looking for. We're preach the gospel. Tell me about this woman. Yeah. I find a third thing here. She adored her Savior. She came just to see him. She didn't worry about the crowd. How many was there? I don't know, but Jesus was there. You, when it comes to church, my, my biggest concern is not how many people were there, but was he there? Because he's the one that makes all the difference. I want to be where he's at, don't you? She didn't worry about the crowd. She didn't worry about the criticism. Now, here's the thing. Four days earlier, Mary has an alabaster box of, of spikenard, or a pound of spikenard. It wasn't even a box, but a pound of spikenard. And she takes it and she anoints his feet with it. Judas says, this could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. And he said this not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. And he had the bag. And he's thinking a whole year's income in his bag. And he might have given a little bit to the poor just to soothe his conscience and tell everybody else he gave some to the poor. But he wasn't interested in what went to the poor. He was interested in what he could keep himself because he was the thief. And he said it could have been sold for 300 pence. Four days later, Jesus in the house of this woman. She comes in with an alabaster box of spikenard, breaks it, pours it upon his head. And not just Judas, but many say this could have been sold for more than 300 pence. You see how criticism works? Four days earlier, Judas says this could have been sold for three, 300 pence. Four days later, You've got a whole group of people begin to criticize. This could have been sold for more of the 300 pence and could have been given to the poor. Criticism goes, but she didn't worry about the criticism. Can I tell you something? If you're going to do something for Jesus, somebody's going to criticize you. And it's usually, case of Judas, it's usually those that are about to sell him out that are critical of those that are sold out to him. She didn't worry about the criticism. She didn't worry about the cost. And we're talking a whole year's income. That spikenard can only be used one time. You break the neck of the bottle, the aroma fills the air. When that's done, it's, it's gone. It can only be used one time. And she takes that and she breaks it and she pours it upon his head. And she wasn't worried about the cost. You know why most of us don't sell out to him? We're afraid what he's going to ask us to do. We're too comfortable with our will to be concerned about it being disrupted for his will. 
But she adored her Savior. She, she wasn't worried about the crowd. She wasn't worried about the criticism. She wasn't worried about the cost. She just wanted to please him. She just wanted to let him know she loved him. And it's like Jesus said, that's what I'm looking for. I can't kill a bear, but I can love him. There's a fourth thing I see here. She announced her surrender. You say, well, what do you mean? You know, the other accounts that we read of Mary and the sinful woman, they both anointed his feet. Anointing the feet is a picture of worship. And he's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy to be worshiped. But she didn't put it on his feet. She put it on his head. This is the way they anointed a king. They took the ointment and poured it on his head. When she took that ointment and poured it on his head, what she's doing is announcing her surrender. I want you as my king. When Jesus made his triumphant ride into Jerusalem, he comes down the Mount of Olives and he goes to the eastern gate and comes into the temple and then the Bible said he looked round about upon all things. And when evening was come, he departed. And I often wonder, what was he looking for? When he comes down the Mount of Olives, he's got a group of people following him and they're waving the palm trees and, and, and then he's got a group that comes out from Jerusalem and they're waving palm trees. They throw clothes upon uh, the animal he sat upon and they're all shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king that cometh. Hosanna to the king. And they're, they're all celebrating him as king. He went through the eastern gate. He went to the temple. What should have happened the high priest should have been there to crown him as king. But they were up plotting his death. They were to place, the Jews now call it over there, Israel now calls this mount, the Mount of Evil Council. There's a UN building sitting there right now. So he looked round about upon all things. They celebrated him as king, but they failed to crown him as king. That's where the average Christian lives today. You see all the signs, celebrate Jesus, celebrate Jesus. And we'll celebrate him as king, but we won't crown him as king. And when this woman took that alabaster box and poured it on his head, she's announcing her surrender to him. I, I, I love the song, I Surrender All. Wouldn't change a single word in it. One of my boys one time before I preached was going to sing. They said, Dad, I'm on schedule to sing before you preach tonight. What would you like to hear me sing? And he was struggling with some things. I'm not talking about it out in sin. Just struggling with being just wholly sold out. He's a good kid. I don't just want goodly kids, good kids. I, I want godly kids. He said, what would you like to hear me sing? I said, son, I'd love to hear you sing, I surrender all and mean it from the depth of your heart. But the truth is, the word surrender is not found anywhere in the Bible. Surrender is when you're backed into a corner and you've got no option. The word the Bible uses is yield. Yield is when you have an option, but you willingly give way to somebody else. 
And she took that alabaster box and she anointed his head. The others anointed his feet. They worshiped him. They loved him. But when she anointed his head, it's almost like he said, you know those others you don't find anywhere in there what he said, wherever the gospel's preached, tell them about Mary or tell them about the sinful woman. It's almost like he said, that's what I'm looking for. When you preach the gospel, you tell about, you tell about this woman. I don't know if she was rich or poor. If she was one or the other, if I'd say, well, she was wealthy, you'd say, well, I'm, I'm not wealthy. If she was poor, you'd say, well, I'm not poor. I don't know if she's married or single. She, if we knew she was married, some of you say, well, I'm not married. If we knew she was single, some would say, but I'm married. I don't know if she had children or didn't have children. If, if we knew she had children, some of you say, but I don't have children. If we knew she didn't have children, you'd say, well, I, I've got children. We know nothing about her, so we can't make any comparisons and excuses. And Jesus was so taken in. I, 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 I'll never kill a bear with my hands. Sorry, baby. I'll just be your teddy bear. How's that? I just had a strong urge to come give you a kiss, but I'm not going to do it. I'll refrain myself, okay? But later. We got a thing we do every time we get in an elevator when that door shuts. I kiss mama. If somebody else gets on the floor with us, I just see what button they push. I push the next one, whether it's ours or not. It don't, it don't matter. I'm kissing mama. One of our children said, you know they got cameras in the elevators. They're getting a shot because I'm kissing mama. Amen. The other's anointed his feet. That's a good thing to love him, to worship him. But she anointed the head. He said, leave her alone. Matter of fact, we haven't preached the gospel. We're talking about this. My, uh, my daughters are always planning my funeral. They'll, they'll hear a song. They'll say, man, that'd be a great song to play at Dad's funeral. I'll be right there. Find a good song for Dad's funeral. I said, hey, I'm, I'm here. Would, would it be okay if I just kept on living? My wife one time said, you girls have picked so many songs, that funeral's going to last forever. I was like, are you in a hurry? You got somewhere to be? <laughs> but if my life were to come to an end before the Lord comes back, when you're near 60, you're going to realize how young your dad really was. My life should end before the Lord come back. First of all, if you hear I'm dead, don't believe it. I'll be more amongst the living than I've ever been in my life. And your dad hadn't quit praying for you. He just moved a little closer to the throne. But if that day should come and they sing their thousand songs, they're going to place me in the ground. I can't think of anything better to put on my tombstone if it could be real than he hath done what he could. I can't think of anything better if it could be real than he hath done what he could. 
Father, thank you for the night you've given to us. Thank you for your Bible. What an amazing book. This book sure convicts my heart. It feeds my soul. Wow. Thank you for a Bible. Thank you, dear God, for this church. Thank you for the graciousness of the pastor, his wife, the people that are here. And my Father, I pray you take this, uh, just this thought from the Word of God. It might be a life-changing thought for somebody here tonight. Maybe somebody that's just kind of always felt inferior. Wish they were like somebody else, but realize God made, God made, you made them. And you've got a purpose for them. And realize the psalm said we're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Designed just the way you'd have us to be. As far as personality, makeup. Now, we're always working on our lives to be more like you. Let God that we might apply ourselves. Find what we can do. I just do it the best of our ability. We can love you. We can do that. No, oh, dear God, I, I think the, the, the thing that, that cinched it all is when she took that alabaster box and didn't just fall at your feet and love on you. She anointed your head. She poured it upon your head. Just a full surrender. That's what you're looking for. Give us some surrendered daddies, some surrendered mamas, some surrendered young people, some surrendered grandparents. Give us a godly generation that don't just celebrate you as king, but will crown. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.